Welcome to The Disenfranchised, helping you to find a career path away from employment by exploring the franchise community. My name's Ed Pennell, and I'll be speaking with the entrepreneurs, experts, and leaders from across the franchise community, discovering their life stories and hearing their tips for success away from the typical nine to five grind. On this episode, I'm speaking with Mark Harmon, the founder and business owner for Red Book Productions, helping businesses to stand out by creating video shows and podcasts since 2011. Now, I've known Mark for a couple of years now, as he also works within the franchising industry, helping franchisors to create engaging franchise testimonials, but also um, video shows as well. So he worked with me on a show called Consultancy Insights for Expense Reduction Analysts, who are a franchise brand uh, that have about 750 consultants internationally. So um, he's a, a great guy who knows everything there is to know about video. And I'm looking forward to finding out how he, he managed to find work within the franchising industry, um, supporting franchisors, and, and to learn his career a little bit and, and how he got into videography. Uh, was that always his dream and, and what has he learned over that time? So um, we're going to dive into that interview in a short while. But before we do, I uh, just want to give a, a shout out to the sponsors of the podcast this week, Symphony. Uh, you can find them at www.symphony.co.uk forward slash disenfranchised. They are an outsourced customer support services business um, that allow you to focus on growing your franchise or business while they take your calls, emails and web chats. Uh, it's, it's really interesting. They've actually given me a little stat here. Every year, UK businesses lose over £30 billion in lost sales or missed opportunities simply because they miss calls or they don't have enough time to give their customers the service they expect. And of course, franchises and franchisees are no exception. So, uh, you know, thinking of voicemails, uh, are they going to help? Uh, think again, 80% of callers don't leave a voice message. And even if you think your calls uh, are all in check, there'll be opportunities you don't even know you're missing because you're already on the phone or, or too busy to, to answer. So what Symphony do is their team of customer service experts respond to your customers' inquiries and questions quickly and accurately while keeping them happy and coming back for more. Their expertly trained team provides live chat, email response, social media management and phone call handling 24 hours a day, seven days a week, meaning you'll never miss an opportunity. And again, to find out more about Symphony and their services for franchise brands, businesses and franchisees, make sure you visit www.symphony.co.uk forward slash disenfranchise. Excellent. So let's dive into this interview with Mark Harmon from Red Book Productions. I hope you enjoy and I'll catch you on the other side. So Mark Harmon, welcome to the Disenfranchised. How are you doing today? Hello, I'm good, thank you. You all right? Living the dream over here, mate, living the dream. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> uh, good to catch up with you. Actually, we talk quite a bit, don't we? So I, I know a fair bit about you and, and what you're doing, but I probably don't know so much about your your career and how you got to this point, really. So um, yeah, I guess the best place to start is to find out what was your first job? Um, yeah, this is a, I've got, a, I don't know how far to go back because I, I, don't, I don't think I should go as far back as, paper round uh so i'm gonna go like first well last job before i started doing this uh and anyone who knows me uh or has worked with me they know i mention this all the time uh but i used to work in argos and in particular i used to work in the stock room so this is like during the time during uni and then after uni as, as i was setting up the business as well so i started 
Redbook in 2011 and I worked in Argos from 20, 2009 to 2014 uh, and there were times when like whilst I was setting up uh, I was meant to be sending stuff down the belt as you did in Argos like you send items <laughs> down the belt but I was on the phone to like a video uh, client uh, and my boss ran upstairs and like what the hell are you doing and I'd be like I'm on the phone sorry and I was just like in the toilet on the phone to someone talking about filming their like golf event <laughs> when I was meant to be sending stuff down the belt, like kettles and uh, wardrobes and stuff. But there was like a massive backlog upstairs. Um, but yeah, like I, I started working at Argos in 2009 at uni and at first like I hated it. But then like I sort of realized you sort of mature a little bit and I just wanted to become like the best stockroom person there was. Uh, so like a little yeah. change of like mindset and I would sort of, really want to be the best at, at like whatever job I was doing so I think probably about 2011 2012 uh, as I was setting the business up I, I decided to become like the best delivery person and the best stockroom person so like I would the way the speed I would put items away at would be really really quick <laughs> like compared to other people so I was like the best at delivery it sounds you sounds like you love that job, mate. <laughs> like, are you sure you don't want to go back to that I, one? <laughs> I don't want to go back because it was so monotonous. And you had like these headsets on where like you'd be talking, you'd be saying like, ran, like numbers of the catalog numbers and then you put them on the shelf and it would be like um, three, four, six, eight, one, alpha, one ready. And then you just say that all day. And like, I remember um, like if, if, it didn't if it didn't quite understand what you'd say, you'd say repeat. Uh, I remember being in, in Sainsbury's after work with my mate and uh he'd say something to me i didn't quite hear him and i just went repeat without even thinking about it because it was just like so like monotonous and repetitive <laughs> so like instead of saying what was that mate i'd say repeat because i'd just be saying it all day <laughs> so i enjoyed doing this a lot more than i did in the argos stockroom but uh the people i work with in argos are like, i'm still in contact with quite a few of them now uh like we'd have like we go to cinema together or we go to like play fifa in the evening uh and like it's there, yeah, it's it was it was fun because you could sort of fuck, fuck around a little bit. Uh, yeah. But like at the end of the day, I wanted to be really good at it, even though it was just sort of quite a monotonous job. But yeah, yeah, um, I, I, I know that feeling. Yeah. I think um, it's something interesting about doing monotonous jobs because eventually you get to the point where you start to become more creative. I found I found actually, like um, you just start coming up with different nicknames for each other would be the one thing that I I'd, I would do. So I, I used to put up marquees uh, for a living, as many people will know. Yeah. And one of the tasks in doing that during the winter when there's not so many marquees going out was cleaning the covers. All right, so yeah. literally all day long, you're just cleaning on a table. And it's, uh, yeah, it's boring. <laughs> it's boring as hell. Um, so, yeah, we just start to put nicknames for each other and play silly games and, and have races and, it mm. just starts to build a bit of a camaraderie, doesn't it? Because you, you're kind of all mucking in together. And uh, yeah, yeah, it's nice to hear that that wasn't just in um, what I was doing. It's, it's out there in every business, oh, I yeah, guess. Yeah. But like in the stock room, like you would hide from each other because the stock room is like, there's loads of like little hiding places you can go to. So like you'd pretend like to be off, like finish your shift and you'd go out one door and then another. So there'd be one person in the stock room and then you just wait for them to go down an aisle and then just scare the shit out of them so it was quite <laughs> at times it was good fun because you just fuck around uh but Brilliant. it was good, it was good fun so i, I want to go and kind of go back a little bit then to to your uni days you said you were yeah. you were at argos while you, you know while you was at uni so what what were you doing at uni what was the the, the subject yeah i'm sort of one of the people that has continued to do 
something they did at uni and into a, into a job. So I did film and cinema technologies and film studies. So that involved for cool. three years just making films and watching films, which is, it sounds like one of the easiest uh, degrees you can get because it's just literally just doing uh, having fun and watching films and then writing about it and then um, just making films with your mates like at night in a car park or like in a graveyard or in the woods uh, and just like having fun for three years and making all these different little films. And I would just like, when I, when I was not making films for my course, I would be making films with my mates as well. Um, so like just going off and making like two minute films, like even like 10 minute stuff, like just making short films. Because uh, you had like access to all these cameras and all this editing, like, um, software and uh, just all this stuff for free. Yeah. Well, not free because I'm in a lot of debt for it, <laughs> but like included in, in your student loan. Uh, so I think that was, yeah, I had so much fun doing that as well. Yeah, that's cool. So it's, it almost sounds like too much fun and uh, something I wish I'd have done much younger. Um, it got into an industry like that. Um, but you, you then said you carried on with Argos after university. So at what point did you then kind of go, right, that's it, I'm doing this on my own? And, and did you look for jobs at the same time? You know, what, yeah, what, yeah. what was going through your mind at that time? So there was sort of like a four-year crossover, or three-year crossover from 2011 to 2014, where I was slowly building it up um, and like getting filming jobs whilst I was working in Argos. So like if things were going badly, I'd be working in Argos a bit more um, just to like get money in. And I was... I moved back to Hampshire at this point. So I'm from Kent. I moved back to Hampshire with my girlfriend, who's now my wife. Um, and like slowly built it up. And I think I could have left Argos earlier, but it was just sort of like that sort of scary feeling of like, oh, how do I um, make this jump? Because it felt like a massive jump. And like if I failed at it, I wouldn't have anywhere to live. Uh, and it felt like there was a lot of stake. But yeah. Like, um, but eventually I got to the point where I was like, I was 25 and I was like, it was my 25th birthday like that week. And I thought I cannot still be working here when I'm 30. Uh, so I literally, on my 25th birthday, I gave my notice in, I worked my week's notice. I was asked to work a month's notice, but I said, if I carry on a month, I will just not, I'll just <laughs> I'll carry on working there forever. <laughs> so I was like, I need to get out. Uh, so it was a big jump, but I think for that first year, 2014 to 2015, where, um, um, it was like that was a bit of a struggle that first year just on my own but from like 2015 onwards it started to like you could see it was working and it's like oh yeah I'm gonna this is gonna be my full-time job and I'm gonna be all right doing this uh, and so, then it's slowly sort of grown from there. So it took four, kind of four years for you to take that leap? Did it, yeah that and right? I think purely because like um, just fear and not knowing and like uh, not not having something to fall back on was like a worry. Uh, how many clients did you have? How, how many clients had you had and serviced by that time? You know, it's, yeah, you sound like you're doing you. stuff in your spare time. So yeah, I didn't really have any like retainers or anything like that. I just had like project work, which would be like every month I'd have like new projects. So it's kind of like, I've got to get this. I've got to get this. I've got to get another one. Like every month it was just like, I've got to do the same again. I got to, So it was like, it was crazy, but I still managed to do it because I just I had to there's no other option no other option so I was networking everywhere uh, and I remember when I first started networking um, I didn't have a car so I'd like get a bus or a number of buses or a number of trains to get to like different networking places 
Um, and then like my granddad gave me a car because he said he was getting rid of his car. So it's like his old Corsa, probably not worth a lot of money, but he gave me his car and that was like a huge thing. So then I could go and yeah, network yeah. and drive to places. Like, I remember once I was filming somewhere and I had to get the bus and the train and it was snowing. I had to walk like two miles through the snow with all my gear, like lights, camera, like all icy roads and pavements and everything to get to this place where I was filming. And I got there and she's like, oh, yeah, so the roads weren't too bad then. And I was, and I was just like, oh, yeah, it's fine. But I had, to lie, I had to lie to her about driving there when, in fact, I'd walked like two, three miles in the snow <laughs> with all this no stuff. Uh, but, yeah, like that was – like look back on it. It's hard work, but it's good fun to do that. Yeah. Uh, and and, then, and I guess part of the decision was w- with your your partner at the time. W- did she have much of a say in, in what you were doing? Because I'm guessing if you're, uh, you're living yeah. together. Yeah, so she's you know. obviously really supportive. Um and sort of like encouraged me to do it but I think I didn't need that much encouragement because it it's something I wanted to do and I find this with people that um like if they're going to start their own business if you really want to do it you'll get you'll make sure you do it uh so like I think I didn't really I didn't need any more encouragement that I was getting I just needed that like that support to say like yeah it's okay you can do it uh but like before that uh, like with other bits of, like when I said like I worked at Argos and jobs before that it was kind of like uh, yeah I'm just doing a job but with with this it was just like I wanted to do it and I it wasn't even like a thought process in my mind it was just like that's what I do I go I get up and I do it every day every day every day and I like, work really hard to get there um, I really push it uh, because there's yeah. probably that fear as well but also because <laughs> I really wanted it and I think yeah like with other people that start their own business if they really want it they will just do it. It's, it's just, it just happens because they really want it. Yeah. I, I think it's difficult to, to get to that point where you've got that big idea or you know what you, you want to do though, isn't it? You know, um, I don't think once you get to that point, you'll ever overcome that fear. Mm-hmm. So you've got to have that, that real core reason as to why you need to be self-employed. I think I, I've spoken to a lot of people over the years who, who think they want to be self-employed, but really they just want a better employer, you know, or yeah. a better career or change what they're doing and and that's achievable but it it can be difficult but I think to be truly self-employed you have to have a a a real driver and a real reason to do that so what what for you was what what did that what was that you know was it because you just wanted to do video and couldn't see that there was a job out there for you or you wanted to have control over the projects you were working on you know what was the what was the key driver for you I think that's how it started was um because I when I left uni I applied for like jobs in TV and film and I probably didn't apply to that many places and I didn't really I didn't really know like I was quite scared of push putting myself out there and of getting any job and all I like all I heard back from like these places was oh you need more experience you need more experience more, more experience so I just thought right I'm just going to go and do my own experience and like set up my own thing and, I, and then I'll go and get a job in like TV or film or whatever and just work out from there um but like I've never really gone and done that and that's like like 11 years later now <laughs> uh so yeah I just started to think oh I could just do this as my job uh and I really enjoyed it and I liked working like at first it was terrifying because I had to put myself out there and I had to stand up in front of people and talk and I'd never really done that at school or at uni like anything like that and done presentations and spoken about stuff but like I put myself out of my comfort zone constantly to try and like get better at talking, get better at talking in front of camera, get better at filming and creating stuff and learning and just every day like 
pushing myself. Um, and although that's really uncomfortable, um, it's just, yeah, you, sl you slowly start to enjoy it and get used to it and get good at it. And like, talk, like you just talk to people really naturally and um, then like the business just grows from there. Yeah, sure. So I, I want to know the day one looks like, <laughs> you know, what, what yeah. did you do on day one? <laughs> so this is a good story, actually. So um, I remember I quit my job at Argos, it was probably on the Saturday. And I think on the Monday I was filming, and this is, I still talk about this now as one of the most memorable videos I made because I had it booked in already. But it was for, uh, I've done a few bits of, for these since actually, but it was for um, a microscope company. So it's pocket microscope, but it's like as good as a lab microscope. And they were looking for like crowdfunding. Um, and the example they were doing was looking for worms in horse poo. So literally my day one, I was knelt in a field, uh, like looking at horse poo under a microscope uh, for worms. Amazing. <laughs> Living the dream, huh? Yeah, so, but I was like, this is so, like, everything's going to be different. Like every, every day will be different. But like, I always talk about that day as like, weirdest video I've ever done. And that, and that was it. Because it's just like, but that felt really cool. Because it's like, yeah, every day is going to be different. And every film, every video I do is going to be weird and different. And yeah. Sure. I'm, talk about it. I'm glad it wasn't like you, you went back into a stock room or something oh, like yeah. that and just <laughs> started filming stock room fo footage for for I don't know ice stock or something like that oh, yeah. that would be boring <laughs> but, yeah okay cool so um obviously that now you've been you've been running since 2011 so that's 11 years now you've you've had this this business going yeah. and um you eventually found the the franchising industry and have started to work with some some franchisors so how did that kind of come about and uh, yeah how did you find the industry yeah so um that all came through because i work sort of hand in hand with coconut so i i work separately from them with other franchises as well but a lot of the relationship well, pretty much all the relationships um within the franchise industry uh and the work within the franchise industry has come through my relationship with coconut and the way that happened was like, i met adam lovelock from coconut in about 2013 when he was running astonish email with big adam says so little adam and big adam and um i just i like knew him and i chatted to him a few times so i knew him for about two three years probably about two years before he um uh started working with coconut so i think he started working with coconut in about june 2015 and i remember the day that that call was coming because we had a networking meeting and he was like oh, i've got this call with this woman called uh, sarah who runs coconut um and he started telling me about it and i was like oh, that sounds really cool uh and then yeah i moved into their offices september 2015 so i sort of wheedled my way in uh <laughs> and so i just had a desk in their office which is just up the hall from here um for uh, about three years i was in like working in their office and just doing my own thing but also sort of slowly working my way in as well yeah yeah so i started what doing their videos uh like 2015 2016 and then uh like slowly doing their clients videos and like later on and then slowly sort of become uh someone who knows about video within the franchise industry uh because of my relationship with them so now i'm in the same building but i'm down the hall um i still have a key for their office as well so like i have no sunlight in here so yeah, whenever i feel I like, well yeah whenever i want to like get out of here and like into some sunlight i just go and sit up there with adam who still works up there everyone else kind of works from home now because of after pandemic everyone just stayed there um but yeah like whenever i feel a bit lonely just go and chat to adam up the hall <laughs> yeah no that's cool so 
What What were your thoughts about the franchising industry before you you um, sort of found Coconut? Because I think most people I speak to, it's just yeah, I haven't got a clue what this is. It's not for me. It's not. Um, it's just for like rich people, you know, who uh, yeah, right, yeah. just want to buy a business or something like this, buy McDonald's and and have other people run it. it you know, what was your thoughts around it? Yeah, Any, so, anything different? So mine were um, like I kind of knew a little bit about it, but it was kind of like people that would buy franchises would would be people that had been made redundant and had like a big pot of cash, and then they start their uh, start they buy a franchise. Um, so like they, it was something they always wanted to do, but they wanted that support from another business rather than doing their own thing because then they'd have that network within uh like the other franchisees they could talk to and also they'd have like help from the franchise or uh so it'd be like much less likely to fail because they'd have like a whole sort of plan of what they were going to do and how they were going to do it so it's like a little safer way for people that had a little pot of money to start their own business that's why yeah. i kind of thought yeah all right, cool. So you were ahead of me then at that point in time, really, in knowing what the industry was about. Yeah, I had, I had no idea I've really. A, but I've done a lot of networking. Do you think your your viewpoint has changed now you've been been working in the industry for a bit longer? Yeah, I think there's probably other people as well that maybe have always wanted to run a franchise, and it's like so they've or like people that do have multiple different franchises. So they have like maybe one in one sector, one in another. So it's all different people. It's not just people that have been made redundant. It's sort of, it's a bit wider than that. Yeah, cool. Yeah. So uh, working with Coconut Creative, then obviously you've you've been involved in some interesting projects. The um, the Masters of Business show, the Mob Show, as it's known, and uh, the Franchise Marketing Show. So what kind of the inspiration behind those? And um, yeah, what what was involved in them? Let's start with the Mob Show first. Yeah. So if you're if you've spoken to Adam, he might not have mentioned this, but I've been pushing, I'd been pushing Adam for years to do a show or a podcast because I thought it's a really good way of sort of standing out uh, and like showcasing what Coconut do uh, and a really good way of like repurposing that content as well. So, you've, um, so with the Mob Show, it came about after the first lockdown, I think, where it was like, yeah. let's get, it was Adam and Sean sort of come up with the idea after I'd said, we need to start doing this. And then, they're like, oh, we've got this great idea. So obviously, if it's the same idea I've had, I'm just like, yeah, great, let's do it. Uh, so it was a live show where um, uh, we'd get guests on. And the idea was like it'd be all sorts of different people. It wouldn't just be sort of franchise-related people. It would be um, like people without outside the franchise industry, not even like marketing-related, but just interesting people. And then see how we could bring that back into the franchise industry. Um, so like some really good guests we had. Um, uh did you know uh yeah hide the pain harold who's like a living meme uh, yeah, yeah. i remember that episode yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh we had um emma kenny who's like the psychologist on this morning that was a really good guest um and then like uh cryptocurrency people um somebody we had a christmas special where it was like someone who runs uh christmas land in, in like some place in america we had her on that was really good and like loads of other different people um so it was and it was a live show that went out like every Friday, I think. So Adam and Sean would be in here. And then we went into lockdown again. They would be at home and we'd be like live broadcasting from their homes and I'd be sort of running it from my desk here. Um, but yeah, I, I, if we hadn't had those more, those other lockdowns, I think it had been better having it in the studio here. But then it is a big ask to do live video every week and get everyone in and do a lot of live video. Um, so yeah. it's, a, it's a bit 
it's tough to do a live video with when you've got so many moving parts like guests and different presenters um but yeah that was sort of the foundation of the the mob show sure so how, how do you think that was benefiting the the franchise community what were what, what do you think yeah. it was providing to to the industry at the time because obviously covid was a tough time for many yeah. uh, brands and uh they're, they're franchisees as well um you know so the, the franchisors were probably watching that show but you know that probably in some way had an impact on their franchisees so yeah what what way do you think it might have had an impact for them yeah i think definitely like into lockdown people look to people like adam and sean for like guidance and advice because there's so much that was up in the air so people like adam and sean were given answers where people were asking loads of questions so they they gave so much support to people with on their the franchise uh group i can't remember what it's called what's it called franchise mastermind franchise mastermind that's it so on the franchise mastermind you had franchisees and franchisors just asking all these questions about um like what kind of support they could give their franchisees like uh, how they're going to continue running during covid um and like like people on there were just giving loads of good answers i was on there as well like giving video advice and like trying to find out how to make like live videos and stuff and everyone was jumping on that and asking loads of questions so that that group during that time was a really good place um and adam and sean and people like adam and sean were giving so many like they were just there with the answers when everyone had so many questions so i think that was really important yeah definitely did you, did you did that make you feel closer to the the industry at all yeah i think definitely um just because i've had people since like they've known me because of this the videos i was doing during lockdown uh so that's quite cool to have that um and like affiliation with coconut and the mob show and the franchise marketing show. It's always, it's good because you're, you're there for people that have got questions about stuff. But yeah, I think yeah, during, during COVID and lockdown, especially like there was a lot of questions that people needed to be answered. Yeah, definitely. And I think, um, for, for me, I was working franchise or side, right? So I was in the franchise recruitment team for expense reduction analysts and, and yeah, I, ca I came across the group and it was, extreme extremely helpful for a lot of things really and and i also found it was quite um quite a nice place for me to be to, to share my my knowledge with other people and help them during that a challenging time for them because at that point in time expense reduction analysts we were flying mm -hmm. it was actually a good period of time for us so um yeah it, it was good to be able to help other people and and that that was probably about the time when i realized there was this this great community i think the the, the mob show really helped to show that actually we're all here together helping each other and um yeah it was, it was almost surprising to see people giving away free advice and free support but now i dig dig deeper into the industry it's everywhere right yeah. <laughs> like the, that's what the franchising community is is all about once you kind of step away from their brands you know specifically these are really knowledgeable entrepreneurs that can help that, that do help each other out to, to build a better business and get through tough, tough periods of time yeah, so yeah, exactly. I like that but it, it's also where I discovered you and the work you were doing as well to be honest and um well we we um well, actually I'm going to share a little story with you I, I can't remember if I've told you this or not but um about how we came to sort of working together so um I I was looking to do more video work with expense reduction analysts and get more out there into social media you know we were putting um posts out there on the occasional basis you know and and a lot of them were kind of reusing old content which was good but it, it, yeah I just was struggling to come up with ideas on a regular basis so needed to plan ahead and 
find a video strategy. And at that time, there was um, another videographer who was giving me loads of advice for free on LinkedIn as a, as a platform on how to use Premiere Pro. And I learned a lot from just watching his videos. And it was awesome. And then um, I came across you on the, the, the Mob Show and then started watching some of your videos doing a similar thing, you know, on how to um, create the ideal franchisee testimonial video and things like this. And um, yeah, I, I, at that point was like, okay, I've got to contact these two guys to find out what they can do. And um, yeah, the the other the other guy, um, he he wasn't so open with me straight up straight up. He, he was kind of like, let's just get get things over the line, and then we'll we'll talk about strategy. Whereas you kind of approached me in a a very different way. You actually recorded yourself with a, a whiteboard and said, "Here's my strategy for what we could be doing with ERA." And and that to me was like, wow, this guy knows his stuff. He gets the industry, and yeah, it's just it's a, it's a no-brainer. So we then um, we then came up with the idea to create consultancy insight show, didn't we? Which uh, yeah, I, I feel like was is completely different to what any other brands out there were doing at the time. Um, so perhaps yeah, talk about it from your point of view. What was like? What was your interaction with us as a franchise or with a completely different perspective? You know, what what challenges did that throw up for you, and what did you learn about? uh franchisors from that that kind of engagement yeah i I think um within the franchise industry i think it's it's important to know how it works if you're going to like make videos within it because you need to know um like where the videos who's going to be watching the videos and like the end goal for why you're doing it um so i think that's really important and it's 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 good that you said that it it looked like i knew what i was talking about within the franchise industry because that's good uh so yeah, just my experience was like I, I had a few ideas of like how different franchises could use like this longer form content and this longer shows. Um, so I sort of pitched that idea to you. I think it was one of a few ideas, wasn't it? Was there a few different ideas I came up with? Um, I don't remember. Yeah, I only this, mean, I remember yeah, that one. So this is definitely <laughs> the one I wanted you to go with anyway. Uh, so yeah, it's just creating that longer form content and then sort of chopping it down to little bits as well so you're not just it's not just one show it's just all this promotional stuff off the back of it um so yeah i think that was really important and um yeah i think it was important for me to learn about how era worked as well and like what kind of guests you wanted to get on and what kind of messages you wanted to put across as well so i think my role in that sort of first interaction was just to find out more about how it all worked because I sort of knew know how franchises work but I wanted to know how sort of ERA works as well um so yeah you were sort of my main point of contact with that uh and I'm I'm like the end products and the videos that we made around that and the way that it's presented on the website that I'm really proud of how that works and I still send people that as an example like a year later so I think that's really cool with my ugly mug on there yeah great (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but uh yeah no it, it, it was a good experience for me I learned quite a lot from that and um uh yeah I, I, it's got me thinking kind of more more recently about the franchisees themselves so and how they can be using video and, and longer form content I've started to see people in expense reduction analysts uh create kind of like video series so I'm, I'm just thinking let's look at it for a minute from the perspective of somebody who's potentially going to become um, a, a franchisee for whatever brand it is, business development is something that's really 
uh, going to be top of their mind on how to attract clients and, and engage with them. And I, I personally think video can be a great way to do that. But it'd be interesting to get kind of your take on, you know, a new franchisee. How should they be? Con- how should they consider using uh, video as part of their their strategy to to develop clients? So, from a franchisee's perspective, I think you need to be um, showing yourself as someone who knows what they're talking about. Um, so, like, and and presenting yourself as that person, like you yourself being in the videos. So, I think the, the best place to start is just by answering frequently asked questions that potential clients are going to have. So, like, writing down every single question you get asked or every single question you can think of, and then just literally answering that question and then posting that out onto the platform where your clients are most likely to be. So whether that's LinkedIn, whether that's Instagram, whether that's Facebook, whether that's even like TikTok and places like that. Um, I think it's working out how that's going to work, like where your clients are going to be watching, potential clients are going to be watching, and then just answering those questions. And the more you do that, the more you post those, and the more you're sort of engaging with other people's questions as well, the more people will see you as somebody they can trust. Sure. So... I want to give you a little bit of a challenge on that one. So let's let's say a, a children's activity franchise. Okay, um, how can they kind of put themselves out there as a as a, as an expert on a particular topic? You know, so let, let's say it's a, a sports activity children's franchise. Okay. So like, think about who's going to be watching those videos and who's going to be coming to those classes. You're aiming it at the parents of the children. So what are their questions going to be about? Like what time? Does the the classes start? What happens in the classes? Uh, how long do the classes last? Uh, what kind of um, things will their kids learn? So, will it be sort of um, like language skills? Will it be sort of like uh, motor skills and stuff like that? Like, what kind of things will they learn? And then, um, yeah, other questions like how much does it cost? Um, yeah, there's loads of other little questions you can sort of write down. So, whatever questions these parents are asking you um or uh questions you you can sort of think of that would be based around that just start writing those down and answering those um so some might be really obvious and some might be sort of less obvious but yeah th- that's the place to start and these videos they need to be kind of filmed you know professionally with a flashy camera and all the lighting and in a studio or would your kind of iphone or samsung phone or whatever be yeah, good enough i think it can be um but then like if you it depends who's gonna be watching it and where they're gonna be watching it. So if it's like parents, where are they spending a lot of their time on watching videos? Is it be, I think you're probably looking at Instagram or TikTok for those kind of stuff. So I see a yeah. lot of children's activities, um, franchises on TikTok at the moment. Um so I've just started doing TikTok for the franchise marketing show and for my own videos. And there's so many kids' franchises on there. And they're sort of showing like the kids playing at these these classes. Um and like answering questions or just giving general advice around sort of kids well-being uh but there if people are following those like i've learned stuff about just from following these people in the last week or so uh but yeah i think the the ones that are already already on there are doing the right thing yeah no that's that's cool and uh, yeah i i think the franchisors uh, are starting to get to grips with that pretty well. It's just the franchisees, I think, as well that that can really yeah. benefit from from maybe some advice from someone like you or or um, just getting out there and trying it. That's that's the thing, the yeah. most important thing, isn't so, it? I think but, some franchisees would need like encouraging and pushing towards that. But I think 
others will just be like, oh yeah, it's part of what I need to do. Yeah. I I think that's it's really important almost for any industry that you you just factor that in because uh, I think a lot of people think it's either you know leaflet dropping or you know paid advertising on Facebook or cold calling or email marketing but this 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 other approach I guess it's like a cross between PR and marketing by creating podcasts and videos and things like this it's actually um really really beneficial and, and positions you as the the expert or the go-to brand within your local community or local area and i think that's, that's something really important too so uh you, you mentioned the, the the franchise marketing show so what's what's kind of that all focused on uh, and who's it aimed towards yeah so it kind of spawned off the back of the mob show so like the mob show ended about june maybe may last year 2021 uh and that was purely because uh, like Adam and Sean just didn't have time for it. Uh, so the last episode was just me and Laura, who was like the producers of it. And we were just presenting it and talking absolute rubbish <laughs> uh, <laughs> in the last episode. Uh, so uh, we started to think about how could, within Coconut, we continue doing um, a longer form show. So we wanted to focus it more on marketing and what Coconut specializes in. So talking to people that are marketers and people that really know what they're talking about in terms of different aspects of marketing and every month to have a different person on the show. So there'd be like a studio segment at the start where it's um, Adam and Laura or myself and Adam just talking about the subject and what we already know about the subject. So whether it's LinkedIn, we've had personal branding, SMS marketing, video, um, we've got TikTok coming up, we've got v- we had a VR episode um, and then the future of the internet as well and how that's all going to work. So what we already know um, and what we probably don't know and what we want to know. And then we'd have the interview, which conducted by Adam and or, or myself, where we'd sort of talk to the expert, ask them questions about how it all works and where it fits into franchising. And that last sort of 15 to 20 minutes on the video version of the show, but on the podcast version of the show, it's, it's a 40 to 50 minute interview. So it's a chopped down version on the video, but then you get something extra on the podcast. Um, and then there's the final bit of the show where you've got like an insight from somebody within Coconut and they give their insight onto, onto the, um, the subject. Um, so they've got a specialist area of expertise. So Adam Knight knows a lot about VR. Steph knows a lot about copywriting. So they give their, their thought on it. Uh, and then the final bit is sort of wrapping up and talking about what we've learned. Um, and then the way that works is um, you, off the back of that, we chop that into lots of little clips so that goes out onto Instagram, onto LinkedIn, onto the Franchise Mastermind group on Facebook. And now the last week or so, we started putting those videos on TikTok as well as little clips. And that all points people to watch the full episode on the website. Awesome. I, th- I think it'd be interesting for um, for anybody looking to, to get into business to take a look at those um um videos and shows actually because there's some like you say the the interviews are from people that are, are not necessarily from the franchising world and they're just quite interesting but i think especially if you're investigating the franchise world it, it'd be interesting to see the sort of advice that franchisors are getting and um yeah. you know you could then look at your franchisor and compare that and say okay yeah they're, they're they're sort of following this plan you know they're listening to the experts or they're engaging with brands uh like coconut to to, to to make sure that they're doing the right things to expand their business. And I think if you can um, see the leaders doing the right things, that's, that's normally a good sign as well. So yeah, more information, the better from my, my perspective, but um, 
I, I wanted to kind of um, change pace a little bit now um, and, and find out what proud or inspiring moments have you had in your career? There's not, there's not like one moment I can think of, but like I think there's little moments where you look at a video that you finished or you look at a project you've done or you hear something from someone that says like they've, 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 the videos have worked particularly well um, or they like they come back to work with you again and again and again and you know that you're doing something right. And I think that's always good. Like when someone comes back to work with you again, that's that's a really nice feeling. Um, or when like you finish a video and it does really well, or it looks you're just really proud of how it looks, uh, or how it performs. I think that's it. Just sort of makes me feel really good. Uh, and then you know, I sort of know I'm on the right track. So like, although I'm not, although I'm not being very specific with that because I can't think of any specific examples, I know there's like little times where stuff like that happens, and it's like, oh yeah, that's really that feels really good. Um, yeah, they're, they're important to have those little boosts and to reflect back on, on stuff that you've done. Then, because it's quite easy just to say, right, that's that one completed, move on to the next one. Yeah. So, yeah, celebrate the, the small wins. I think a lot of people say it, right? Yeah. Which is cool. Yeah, yeah so, that's nice. So, like when people do come back work, work, to work with me, it's like, oh, that's good. That's cool. And I enjoy working <laughs> with them again. So, that's cool. Excellent. So, my final question um, is probably going to sort of stretch your your kind of knowledge a little bit. I know you've mainly worked with with franchisors and sitting sort of um, supporting them in the work that they've been doing. But um, if if you could give advice to anybody who's looking at maybe buying into the franchise and industry, um, you know, buying a franchise license, what would that one piece of advice be? So I ask this question to a lot of franchisees, so I'm going to sort of relay the answer I get back. Uh, so yeah of, it, of course and this yeah. this is through um the, I guess you've done a lot of franchise testimonials right yeah, for clients exactly. yeah so I talked to a lot of franchisees about why they bought into it and like what you hear time and time again is to like look around at different franchises but talk to the other franchisees as well because they're going to be like your support network when you buy into a franchise so talk to those and then talk about like the support that they got how uh, long it told that it took them to sort of get up and running um like what the investment was like um what their typical day is like i think that's a really important question as well and really like like really dig deep into what it is that uh that they do every day and how it works and like if it's given them more freedom to do other stuff and then i think it's also really important from a franchisor's perspective is to attract the right kind of people to you but also put the wrong people off so your franchisees should be telling potential franchisees the stuff that is bad as well. So you want to find out what the rubbish stuff is, what the really hard stuff is, so that if you can't stomach that, that should that should put you off. You shouldn't hear all good stuff. You should hear really horrible, bad stuff and like the hard all the hard work that goes into it, uh, and how long like if it's going to take a little while to set up. You want to hear all that as well. And then if you're still interested at the end of that, that's a good sign. Um, because yeah, you want you. It's an it's a huge investment, um, and it's going to be like your work, and it's going to be you got you got to have to enjoy it and love doing it. So you want to hear the good and the bad stuff from other franchisees. Really good advice, and I should have really d- sort of dug into this a little bit uh, sooner, I guess. But you're um, you've, you've obviously spoken to lots of franchisees, so um. Do you think there's any common traits in those people that have, have decided to, to to go down that entrepreneurial route, but with a franchise license? Yeah, it depends. It depends on the franchise as well, because some franchises are like are 
we've interviewed a lot of people like in elderly care and they have a lot of similar traits in that they're like quite um they're really 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 nice people and they will do like do anything to help you uh, and other franchises um it sort of it varies a little bit but i think that they all want a little bit of freedom and they want to sort of do their own thing and they're all really not afraid of like working really hard to do it because they like when you first start it's a lot of money you put on the table um and so you've got to have money for like a year or so to like pay yourself whilst you set it all up um and i think the, the, the common thing is they're not afraid of working really hard to make it work um because like it does pay off at the end of it because you've got the support and if the franchise is right and the support's right then like after a little while it really does start to pay off and you sort of start living this, this really good like much better lifestyle than if you were uh just a like an employee because you've you can run your own thing you've got the support there as well from the franchisor and the other franchisees so it's not just you on your own but you've got that other help as well yeah no, that's cool i i was going to ask you if you um if you ever fancied working with any of yeah. the, the franchises but then i remembered like uh you know the the, the the video side of things is 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 your kind of passion and your dream and i don't know are there any um franchises out there that are, are, are around and for videographers have you found any uh, there's n there's not that i've seen but this is a question that we ask within coconut every now and again like you you ask like if you were going to buy a franchise which would you buy uh so there's always ones that people sort of oh yeah I like that I like the sound of that one like that I'd be, I'd be good at that um so I think that's really cool uh because I, I when I go and interview people it sometimes I do it at conferences or sometimes I actually go to the their like office or their um like sometimes like garage or whatever sometimes like wherever uh and like you follow them around and like see what their day is like so like you get a really good taste of it uh so there's somewhere I'm like oh yeah that's, that'd be really cool doing that uh, I guess yeah. you're getting like a mini discovery day, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. You're going in. <laughs> I'm getting paid uh, to do it. Yeah, and getting paid to go around, have a look at the the support team, what they're like, look at their offices, see what the business is all about, and then interview the franchisees. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah a lot of people don't get get all that in one day. So, uh, yeah, that's to me is a discovery day, which for for the audience is is when a franchise brand will. Um, yeah, open up their offices, their head office, and um, normally with a series of presentations or or do a bit of a day in the life of so you can get get a feel for what the brand is all about and and speak to maybe a, one or two franchisees. So yeah, I, I don't think about that. You've been on loads of discovery days, haven't you? Yeah, then yeah. all over the place, <laughs> all over the country as well. Oh, excellent, excellent. Well, yeah, no, I know what you mean. As a actually through doing this podcast, I'm I've I've actually been really surprised about some of the brands that I've. I've almost been very serious about thinking about joining, you know, because they're not in areas that I would have kind of thought, but actually you see what the people are doing day to day and um, uh, the, the person that's leading those groups, you know, they're, they're really inspiring for me. I've, yeah. I've found, um, but yeah, I'm not sure they think I'd, I'd be such a good franchisee, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's, there's definitely been some surprises for me. So you're right in what you said earlier in, in, in looking at other brands and um, yeah, really investigating all your different options before, before making a commitment. Exactly. So, uh, so yeah, I think we'd better um, leave it there for, for, for today. Um, thank you so much for, for your time today, Mark. It's been a pleasure to get to know your background a little bit better and, and have a, just a general chat with you around franchising and videos. Um, 
so yeah thank you so much for your time thank you very much i do have an embarrassing story if you i thought of one. Oh yeah bring it on yeah do it uh, yeah so this is like an ongoing joke within coconut where like every now and again i get a um uh client i work with who says oh yeah that's better than i expected when they see the video that i've done uh so like whenever i get a review like that or like someone says oh yeah it's better than i expected it's kind of always a little joke within coconut that I'm not that good at what I do. And they're always surprised by, oh, that's, that's pretty good. But I think that <laughs> what they're saying is it's better than expected. They're, they're saying I'm better than I expected I was in front of the <laughs> camera, uh, which is always good. Uh, because, yeah, my, my job is to make them look good and I'm doing that. So, that, yeah, they, they're better than they expected. Um, and also <laughs> I had a few times where people don't remember my name. So I had a whole day where someone kept calling me Barry or something like that, Gary or something. Uh, so like every now and again, people call me Barry or Gary for a for a joke. Uh, oh, don't! I've I've done that to a guy for about two years. Just oh, kept no, calling no, him so Kevin. I found out his name wasn't <laughs> oh, Kevin gosh. one day when he just went, "You do know my name's not Kevin, don't you?" I'm like, no. <laughs> Why don't you stop me before yeah, now? <laughs> oh yeah, just stop me. But yeah, maybe when I first, maybe I misheard him when he said it, or like. Yeah, but like I've I've seen him quite a few times since, and he knows my name now, so that's good. <laughs> it's not me, is it? <laughs> no, it's, it's not you. He, he, knows, he knows who he is. If he's watching this, he knows. Oh, excellent. Well, Mark, thank you. It's Mark, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Mark, again, thank you so much for your time. It's been a pleasure, and um, yeah, we'll, we'll we'll sort of link out to uh, everything about you in in the, the show notes. So uh, yeah, thanks very much for your time, and have a good one. Thank you. Cheers. So that was my conversation with Mark Harmon from Red Book Productions. Uh, hopefully you enjoyed it. I, I, I like Mark a lot. I spent, I've got a lot of time for him and um, really enjoy the, the content he produces. And I think uh, he first caught my attention, like I said, when in the mastermind groups, he was uh, the franchise mastermind groups, that is, he was creating content with Adam Lovelock and, and Sean Goldsmith and really just providing some support during COVID for franchisors. And I think, um, I, I didn't realise he was the driving force behind that. And I think that shows um, that he's got some good ideas. And I think uh, in video in particular is very important for people to connect with a brand and to understand a little bit more about them. So it's going a little bit deeper. It's going a little bit more into the emotional side of things when people can actually uh, see your face providing them with uh, support and guidance uh, without even having met you before you know so I think that's one thing I've learned massively from from Mark and from from speaking with him uh, on this interview I guess it's, it's it's how important it is to position yourself as an expert within a an, an industry or within your area of expertise uh, and it can really help you to develop clients and and projects in the long run I, I ended up being a client of of marks off the back of it so uh, really important stuff to to learn and take on board I think but other things from this interview that I thought were interesting is um, what what mark thought about uh, franchisees and what they all have in common I think it's difficult I guess to really pinpoint one one factor but that, that hard work, that determination, that desire to be self-employed and take control of, of their destiny, I think that's probably the one thing that, that really stands out to me. And, and Mark, I think, 
uh, agreed or, or put that forward as his idea as well. So I guess what I'm saying is if you're you're sitting here thinking, am I, am I going to set up my own business? What's the best route for me to do it? Only, only go into it if you are 100% dedicated and ready to put in you know, more hours maybe than in an employed position in the first instance to, to get the business off the ground. Are you willing to, 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 to build your, your empire, um, so to speak, with, with hard work rather than just have it expecting to, to be handed to you just because you've, you've, you've given some, some money, a franchise license fee. So, um, yeah, that was good. Also, discovery days. I guess we've sort of touched on them briefly in the past, but... Um, <laughs> It's interesting to see Mark's actually gone on loads of discovery days while into interviewing those franchisees. Um, but it's, it's so important if you're going to look at the franchise and industry to get to know the support staff. Many people have called it uh, a marriage, you know, between franchisor and franchisee. And um, yeah, it's, it's kind of like that. You, you've got to be able to work together. You've got to be able to come over got to be able to overcome some of those challenges that you are going to face in this long-term relationship whether it's five years or ten years the franchise license agreement you're going to need to find ways to overcome the challenges that come your way so you need to have confidence that the people that you're working with are um, able to support you in that and people that you can work with so discovery days making sure you're going to their their offices speaking to their franchisees and understanding everything you can about them is so important so really good advice from from Mark there. Um, anyhow, I think I'm going to wrap things up there and say thank you very much for for taking the time to, to listen to this podcast. Hopefully you found it interesting and useful. Of course, if you're interested in using Mark's services, you can find him um, on LinkedIn and through his website. Uh, if you just search on Google Redbook Productions, you'll find him there. But I'll make sure there's a link in the show notes as well so you can find him there. Um, if you want to find out more about uh, the franchise and what we're doing check out www.thefranchise.com and of course final website that i'm going to direct you towards is that of our sponsors symphony where you can find them on www.symphony.co.uk forward slash disenfranchised thanks very much and i'll catch you on the next one bye bye <laughs>